Man, I really like this church. Raise to your feet and give a warm welcome as I came up. And you all stood up. I mean, that was like, wow. That's very good. And also, all this extra added pressure now that I know that the Hudson Pillar clan is all sitting around some computer somewhere uh, watching me, which means I don't get to hear any of their little jabber back and forth thoughts on what I get to say. When they can't really change what I say. So I just guess I can say whatever I want, but I'm, I'm glad to hear, be here. I'm uh, very close friends with Josh Hudson Pillar, who uh, has had a great uh, impact in my life, great friend, has helped me in this phase of of new ministry and new things that God's doing in my life. And so when he said, hey, do you want to speak at my dad's church right after Christmas, the Sunday that everybody wants to speak in church, right? Right after Christmas, in between New Year, I thought, well, it's perfect. I'm going to be down here for Christmas anyways. And so um, glad that I could be here, glad that I could speak. I got a really good Christmas gift. It came on Monday and it was called the flu. Did anybody else, anybody else get that? Oh, and it lasted, it was beautiful, it lasted three days, right? I mean, it's a gift that just kept giving over and over again, and so I spent Christmas in bed, it was awesome, and uh, moaning and all that good stuff that comes with a fever, so I'm, I'm finally feeling a little bit better, but if I break into sweats or whatever, you'll know it's going downhill quickly, and you might want to run for your life, but... But I, um, I want to share some things with you that, that God's put on my heart, really from my journey. It's been a crazy journey for me the last, let me get this water out of the way, there we go, the last uh, couple years as, uh, as God has shown me and directed me some, some new things. You know, I've been doing ministry since I was about 17 years old, being able to speak uh, around the world to people at conferences and conventions and seeing God move and work. And it's crazy that, that in ministry, even as you're, as you're seeing God work, you can still step back and, and miss out on some fresh new opportunity that God wants to do in your life. And you become comfortable in this zone of what you know, comfortable with your rhythms and your routines, comfortable with your life. And that was me in a, in a lot of ways in the last few years. Uh, I accepted Christ. I was only eight years old. I remember I was laying in bed and I didn't want to sleep. I was eight years old. I was supposed to be in bed. I didn't want to be in bed. And so I was calling out to my mom, you know, like yelling, like, mom. And she'd come in and be like, what? And you say, I want some water, right? My kids do that to me now. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, can you just get it before bed, right? And we go over this over and over and over again. And uh, so my mom brings me some water. She leaves. I'm like, mom. She comes back in and and, and so finally, I thought, I know how I can get her to sit down and stay. And I said, hey, mom, so what's the deal? Why do you make us go to church every week anyways? She, hmm. You know, sits down, and my mom begins to talk about Jesus. And at eight years old, laying in my bed in Northern California, I remember I made this confession. Jesus, I believe that you are the Lord. Jesus, I believe that you are the Messiah. And I want to give my life to you, eight years old. And, and I opened my eyes, and everything was the same. Everything was the same. I mean, it's a big moment, right? Whether it happened for you in a church, or whether it happened in your own home at some conference or camp when you were away, or maybe you're still in the moment of going, man, what does it look like to, to make this confession? Jesus, you are the Lord and the Lord of my life. It's, it's a huge moment, but what I discovered was it's not the only moment that it actually might not even be the moment in your life. 
You see, because there's this other moment, and it's a moment where you look at God and you see an opportunity to be a part of what he's doing, and you say yes. And there's this other moment where you step from confession, Jesus, yes, you are Lord, to contribution. Yes, Jesus, I will participate in your mission. You know, two separate moments in our Western society, it seems like. One where we say, oh yeah, I believe in you, God. Another where we say, I'll follow you and I'll actually participate in whatever it is that you are asking me to do in my life. I mean, I believe that contribution is actually the moment in our lives. The the moment where everything can begin to change and grow in your relationship with Jesus. Uh, James puts it this way. It's in James chapter 1. Verse 22, he says, don't fool yourselves into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word of God go in one ear and out the other, act on what you hear, James says. Imagine this, though. James is the brother of Jesus. James watches Jesus brutally murdered on a cross. He is taken down, he is buried, he is resurrected, and then the world begins to go, oh, We actually crucified the one we've been waiting for. And people begin to then make this confession, Jesus is the the Lord. And then, what if nothing changes? What if everything stays the same? James says, listen to me, this is my brother you're talking about. I saw him brutally murdered on a cross. He is the king, he is the Messiah, he is the Lord. And you can't just confess that and then watch. Confession has to lead to the contribution. We have to begin to get actively involved in the mission that Jesus came to bring. And in Western Christianity, we have separated confession and contribution. But in the Bible, it's actually one occasion, one experience. When you confess, you are contributing. You are committing to contribute to the kingdom of God, or to a lifestyle of serving Jesus. So it would be odd for someone to say, I believe in Jesus, and someone to say, oh, well, how have you seen God working lately? I don't, oh, I don't know. I don't know how have you? Right? Wait a minute. Jesus is the Lord. How have you seen him working lately? Well, I, don't, I haven't got to that part yet. No, this is together, right? I am gonna, I'm going to step into a lifestyle of following Jesus that my, my, my contribution actually proves my confession is what the Bible said. And you might be sitting here today and you're a believer in Jesus and you, you've made that confession of faith. You've found yourself into a great church home and you're learning about the scriptures. You're learning about God. Some of you are like Bible scholars already. You know, is it, you know those people that if you have an issue, they can tell you a verse like that off the top of their head? I love those people. I mean, to me, it's an incredible skill that, that I, don't, I don't really have. I'm like, you know, I get on my phone and pull out the Bible and go, what's that verse, you know? And I like search it in. I'm like, I, yeah, I went to seminary, but I don't know what that verse was. I just search and find it. Some people just, boom, they got it, right? Uh, or some of you like speak in the, the Hebrew, Right? Nobody even speaks in the... But anyways, you, 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 you know the original language and, and you're, you know everything and you have so much knowledge. But, but do you ever sit back and go, man, how is God working around me? 
What has he done lately that I, is unexplainable except for God? You know, see, sometimes we could fall on the side of intellectualism and miss out on the contribution in, in following Christ. Um, and I think that every one of us wants an exciting, adventurous, new, and fresh relationship with Jesus. I, I, I mean, I don't think there's anybody out there that's like, man, I can't wait to come to Jesus and just settle in and do nothing. Like, this is going to be perfect. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess my life to Christ and surrender, and then I hope it's just eventless. You know, I hope a whole lot doesn't happen. I mean, God forbid he would show up and, like, heal somebody once again. Like, oh, my word, how much energy would that take? You know, then what do we have to do with that guy? No, I mean, everybody's like, God, do something that I can't explain and let me be part of it, right? Let me join you in some amazing God work. That's what we want. And I want you to know that today you've already been invited into something bigger than yourself with God that he is already ready and prepared to use you, to use you as a contributor for his kingdom. Um, It's at the core of Christian spirituality. I love this quote from Eugene Peterson. He said, Christian spirituality means taking all the elements of your life, children, job, spouse, weather, possessions, relationships, and experiencing them as an act of faith. The task is not to get God to do something I think needs to be done, but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can respond to it and participate in it and take delight in it. Don't you love that? The goal is to become aware of what God's doing around you, not just so that you could worship him in a building, but so you can be involved in it and you can respond to it. You can be a part of what God's doing in this world. And so this morning, I just want to take a couple of minutes to help all of us be able to recognize the invitations that God is giving us to answer his call or to be a part of what he is doing. And I want to look at the initial call in the scriptures from Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus calls his first disciples. And I think as you look at this story, and it's, it's a beautiful couple of verses because it's, it's packed with action. There's response. There's there's tension, right? There's conflict within, I'm sure, as Jesus makes a call for these disciples, these individual men, to leave something to join him in his work. It's Matthew chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can join me. And uh, starting in verse 18, it says, One day, As Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Real quick, formerly, these men were followers of John the Baptist. Um, they were more like you and I than I think we give, give them credit for. They were very ordinary guys like us. They did have spectacular potential inside of them. Um, They learned about the Messiah. They had been taught the Hebrew scriptures. Um, They they were a lot like us, and yet they were still longing for something more. They were still longing for something more. Verse 19, Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. 
And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, not a real current name, by the way, today, don't hear that often, uh, repairing their nets. And he called to them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. You ever, you ever heard this before? Oh, good. This is an awake crowd this morning, by the way. I mean, I'm just like, you should, nobody had the flu? Everybody's fine? Oh, good. Yeah, this, I mean, what a great passage of Scripture. The first thing I want you to hear here, if you want to answer the call, if you want to be a part of something God is doing, look at this. The first thing is that answering the call always involves leaving something behind. If you want to answer God's call, it always involves leaving something behind. Jesus called and they left their nets. And he called to them. They followed, leaving the boat and leaving their father, the scripture says. And when you think about the disciples answering the call, they had stuff to leave behind. I mean, they, they had to leave behind their family business that would provide for their relatives. Um, they had to leave behind. And once it says, hey, hey, pops, I got a roll, right? Hey, dad, like you're on your own. Um, here's a father. Who does he rely on? His sons, they're like his workhorses. Hey, Dad, this dude's calling us. Um, we, we think we need to go with him. And says that they left not only their family business, their fishing business, but they left their father behind as well. I mean, in the scriptures, when you watch people who follow the call of Jesus, they always have to leave something they don't want to leave behind. Always. It never seems simple. I mean, if God's calling you and you're like, man, this is awesome. God is calling me to go do this. It doesn't hurt. There's no pain. There's no sacrifice. There's no tension. I don't think God's probably calling you. It always hurts to follow God, to walk in a direction he's asking you to do. I mean, Abraham had to leave behind his relatives, his native country, and his father's house to go somewhere God would show him when he got there. Moses, I mean, from a, from a time of peace and comfort, back to the lion's den in a sense, go back to Egypt. There's a whole lot of stress back. He's probably got heartburn, right? When God said, go to Egypt, he's like, Whoa, you know, I mean, all of a sudden he's like a sore, sore stomach and he's out. But no, this is where I want you to go. Uh, King David. Man, I'm telling you, the, the sheeps were a lot chill, more chill than Goliath, Right? David, get up, let's go. There's a Goliath in your future, huh? This is good here. This is real good. How about, how about Paul? Man, he was honored by those he was with. In exchange, he was disrespected, distrusted, ultimately, sought after to be killed. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of liked it over here. You see, it always be, it leaves something behind. And you know what? Oftentimes what we have to leave behind, whether we know it or not, has become our God. It's something that we value so much that we don't want to get let go of. We hold on tight. And maybe what you actually have to let go of the most is control. Like, I don't get to call all the shots, and I don't know how it's all going to work out, and I can't even make it work out the way I want it to, and so I don't, I'm not going to go there, God. And God said, hey, listen, if you do this, 
I can't give you anything and you can't receive anything. But if you'll open those hands and you'll begin to follow me, watch what will come to you. Look at the opportunities that will fall into your laps. Stop living your lives holding on because you can't hold on forever. We always say in recovery, I work a lot in the world of recovery, and we tell people that are, that are trying to change and get out of the world of addiction that you can't, you can't just white-knuckle change. You can't just hope that you hold on tight control it, you'll actually change because uh, you have to let go of control and trust that somebody bigger, somebody greater is looking out for you and is going to help you in the journey. And, and so if you aren't willing to leave, leave something behind, then you'll probably never reach the potential that God has for each of you in your life. And I, I think honestly, there, there is no better place to live your life than just outside of what you can control. I mean, some people would say just outside of the boat, of your comfort, of your convenience, of all the things you can buy yourself or that you can have on your own. You see, in American society, it makes it really hard to trust God because we don't have to. We can trust ourselves and our wallets and our abilities and our skills. But if you can allow God to move you to a place where your skills aren't good enough, your money won't buy you enough, oh man, this is where God can change your whole life. This is where he can do radical movement with you. And I believe it. I've been walking this journey for the last whew, couple of years. And I, um, like I said, gave my life to Christ at eight, surrendered really um, in high school, started doing ministry when I was really young, um, started a nonprofit organization that had the ability to reach people around the world and travel and spoke to people all over the world, be able to work in churches and see God move in those places. And yet, in the last few years, I've had this unsettled feeling within my chest like God wanted to do something different, but I didn't want to let Him do it. Because what I had been able to build up was uh, a salary. What I've been able to build up was some success, looked good, I wasn't failing. What I've been able to build up was something sustainable. And, and inside of me, God was saying, yeah, but this isn't what I called you to do. I haven't called you to live comfortably, sustainably with a good salary. I've called you to live for my kingdom, which means be willing to leave whatever behind to follow after me, to impact the world for my kingdom. What's greater, the kingdom of the world or the kingdom of God? Who will you live for? What will you pursue? And I was like, God, I don't want to have this conversation with you right now. Ever. Where were you? Go back there. And God's pressing on my heart. It's like, I felt like my name is Jacob. We're like wrestling, you know. I'm like, I don't want to do that for sure again. And one day I was sitting with a, a close friend. And uh, I was trying to figure out what to do with, with my life. thought I might go work in, a, in this church. And it was great. They're going to pay me a lot of money and the medical, too. Medical's a mess. They're going to pay my medical. Hallelujah. That thing makes me broke right now, right? And they're going to, and I was going to get to do things I loved, and yet I was like, this is not what I want to do. I, don't, I know that's not what I should do. And my friend said to me, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to take the job at that church. And he said, why is that? I'm like, oh, they're going to pay me. It's great. He said, promise me you won't go take that job. 
I said, well, I already like, left the salary. I, if I don't, I don't have anything. And he said, well, do you have any savings? I said, I'm no Dave Ramsey, you know. I have, <laughs> you know, a couple months. He said, well, you got a couple months to work it out. I went home. I remember I told my wife, and I said, if I don't work at that big church, uh, will you feel more relief or more stress? And my wife said, relief. I said, dang it, God. Serious? My wife's on board with you? Are you kidding me? So I turned down the job at the church, and I said, that means we're going to have to go after our dreams, start a new organization. Not 19 anymore when we did the last one. Two kids. Got more expensive, I think, since I was 19 to live. And we left it all and started something brand new. No money. Oh, man, money. I hold on. That's my comfort. I'll tell you, confession, that's my comfort. First month, we lived 100% on savings. Second month, um, nobody had given us any money yet. And uh, my wife and I were both having a bad day on the same day. You ever have those? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to check online. Maybe, maybe somebody gave, even though nobody had, and it was getting ready to go to bed. And I was like, why are you even looking? You know, are you sure we should be doing this? Did we make the right decision? I'm like, you told me that you were feeling good about it. What are you asking questions for now? I got online, and <laughs> first donation I ever received, $2,500 online, that night where I was ready to throw in the towel. And, uh, man, I lived like that for the last eight months. I checked the P.O. box. You know, people tell stories like, oh, man, I just need a check. And they go check their P.O. box, and it's the exact amount. You know, I go check the P.O. box, it's empty. <laughs> I was like, where's that? Where's that come from? You know, I'm like, oh, people give online now. I got it. Got it. But God has provided for us. We haven't missed a paycheck. Been able to build communities online that are already reaching thousands and thousands of people setting vision to reach the 2.4 billion people online, the greatest opportunity for the church today to reach the lost, the new mission field, we call it. And we're pursuing something totally fresh and totally new in faith. I don't know how it works out. I don't know what it looks like in the future, but I know this. Like, if I'm not willing to step out of the boat and leave behind the comforts of my life, then I will miss out on my fullest potential in Christ. And if you want to answer the call, praise the Lord. And if you want to answer the call, it always requires you to leave something behind, primarily comfort, to trust God with something you can't yet see. Second thing is this. When you, when you answer the call, it always leads you to a crisis of belief. It always leads you to a crisis of belief. When, when Jesus says, hey, drop what you're doing and come follow me, it always leads you to say, are you sure it's going to work out? Um, are you sure that's, is that God or is that Satan, right? Because 
Right now, you, I don't know which one you are. It always leads you to doubt if it's really from God. And if that doubt gets more intense than your faith, you lose. And oftentimes you win, you lose. You win, you lose. You win, you lose. I fight it every seven days. I feel seven to ten days. God, I feel like I'm, I look at God, I go, God, am I a complete idiot or not? Like, did I make the wrong choice? Is this really what you want? It's doubt, belief, doubt, belief. And, and you continue to push through that. And every time God calls you to something bigger than you can accomplish on your own, you'll always have a crisis of belief. God, is this really from you? God, can we really do this? How about Moses? Exodus chapter 3. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. He says, you must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. 11. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh. Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 12, God answered, I will be with you. To which I would say, you will? For real? Like, wouldn't any normal person just want a little extra assurance? Like, okay, um, so what does it exactly mean you're going to be with me? Like, how, how does that really break down? You know, my daughter's been learning how to swim this last, this last year. She's, um, she's five, and she's getting there. But it's kind of fun to, to watch her learn how to swim because it's like the most exciting thing that she gets to do and the most terrifying all at the same time. Right? And you combine exciting and terrifying as a really good time for dad. And so uh, we're in the water, you know, and um, she's holding on to the edge of the pool. And, I, and you guys have done this, right? You know, then you, dad, you kind of like go back five feet and you say, this is participation. Just, um, and you say, yeah, exactly. Swim to me, jump. Like, give it your best shot, don't die, right? Just come here. And, and so I, I get out there, and, and she's on the side of the pool, and she's got her, like, and I'm like, just so cute, you know, this little bathing suit, and it's so small, little cheeks hanging out a little bit. It's still okay when you're five for a cheek to hang, but not when you get, like, ten, okay? Then it's done, done, done. No more cheeks. But anyway, so she, she, she's on the side. You know, she's looking at me. She has anticipation and fear. And, and I say to her, hey, baby, Swim to daddy. Just swim to me. And she had one hand now. And she's, she's looking, and, and I'm like, come on, baby. Let go and, and give it a try. Like, you have to let go of the wall if you're ever going to swim. Nobody learns how to swim holding onto the wall. Nobody. Nobody learns how to live by faith holding onto the wall. Nobody. You got to let go. And you got to trust when you let go that something else is going to kick in or that somebody, daddy, is going to meet you in the midst, the in-between zone between where you believe you can be and where you really are. And a crisis's belief is this same moment. I don't know if I should let go because I might 
I might sink, I might drown, I might die, I might ruin my life, but you'll never know how the Father will meet you till you let go of the wall. And some of us have been holding on to the wall our whole life. And we've been saying, God, I want you to use me. God, I want to be big for your kingdom. God, I want to see change in our world. And I think God's going, let go of the stinking wall. You're meant to swim. And watch when you start to swim how the pool will open up. How there'll be so many places to go and new adventures to have and you can then start to flip and twirl and spin and you'll love it, but you gotta let go of the wall and trust and believe that I'll meet you in that place. You see, for me, half of my battle, I think, was God was just saying, hey, I just wanna see if you'll let go. Josh Hotzenpiller said to me, quit your job and go do it. He now tells the story. He goes, I can't believe it. He said, he did. (laughs) He did. And I'll tell you what. I held on to that wall as long as I possibly could before I would have to just settle for something less than God had in my life. If you, if you want to accept the call to something new and fresh that God can do in your life, you've got to let go of the wall. It's always going to be a crisis of belief. If you're asking questions like this, um, can I do this? Is this from God? Am I the right person? Will this work? Do I have the skills? Uh, God, maybe you're saying, God, maybe you should use somebody else. I think you're right on the edge of stepping into a God-sized opportunity, something only that God can do. And here's the temptation. The temptation at this point in the journey is to delegate to somebody else. To delegate to somebody else. We're good at this in the church. I got a great idea. The church should do it. Man, I have such a passion to see people who are enslaved come to freedom. Hey, my church, what are you doing? I was talking to him, shut up, what are you doing? Right? How invested are you? Don't, really, don't come to me and tell me what I need. You get busy. Right? I think we need to stop delegating God's opportunities to somebody else and start accepting them as the convictions that God has given us and run with it. And when you run with it, guess what? People will get on board. We have to start moving in that direction. Last is this. Um, answering the call, first of all, what always means leaving something behind. Answering the call always leads to a crisis of belief. God, is this from you? And God, can you actually do this with me? Number three, answering the call always involves a decision. It always involves a decision. Matthew 4, verse 22, they immediately followed him. They immediately followed him. Um, in, in Matthew 8, one of the disciples says, hey, I got some family issues. Let me go take care of family business, and then I'm, I'll, I'll catch up with you, essentially. Uh, to which Jesus says there's no time for that. Nope, this is the family business. This is what your life is all about. Jump on now. I think when we put off decision, we pretty much eliminate the opportunity to do it. Uh, it it's like so many times, salespeople know this. Any salespeople in the room? Yeah, I mean... Or telemark, any telemark, don't even, never mind, never mind. I don't even want to know who you are. All right, because 
just tell Margaret called me the other day, and I said, no, thank you. And he said, no, you don't want me to give you $250? I said, no, thank you. He said, are you serious? You don't want me to give you $250? I said, I don't want you $250. I hung up on the guy, called me back. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. Well, what did he know? If I, if, if I told, I'll call you back and let you know if I want your deal. Am I going to call back? What do salespeople know? Close the deal. My brother-in-law, he's an insurance agent. I got more insurance than I know what to do with, right? And he, he always is saying that, ABC, always be closing. I'm like, all right, it sounds good. He, hey, why? You, if you don't close the deal, super low, right? So when God says to you, Bill, I have a mission for you today. It might not be leaving your job and starting a nonprofit, but it might be just loving that neighbor next door or getting out of your comfort zone and getting more involved in your church, or it might be loving your kid in a fresh way, learning how to be, I mean, whatever it is for you. If you say, oh, God, I'll do that next week, you're never going to do it. Um, you, answering the call always involves a decision now. I'm going to start today. I'm going to start today, because if I wait till tomorrow, I'll probably wait till 2015 before I confront it again. I have to make this decision. I think it starts with small decisions. It starts with the opportunities that are right in front of you. Say yes to some inconveniences so that you can watch what might happen. You know, we're allergic to things we, we think are inconvenient, aren't we? So like if it's out of the way, it's kind of difficult, it's going to disrupt our day or our family, oftentimes we'll be like, no. Well, I would just say, why don't you just say yes once? Just say yes once. And see what might open up. If you ever had that feeling like, oh, I should go talk to that neighbor. You know, just say once yes. Yes once. See what might open up. Hey, I should just invite that friend to church. We'll just say yes once and see what. I think you'd be amazed if you say yes to the little things God's asking you to do, how many big things would open up. And so say yes, make a decision, and begin to watch as God opens up new opportunities. I, um, I'll end with this. You know, in, in John chapter 6, you guys can come. The, uh, there's a whole bunch of people following Jesus. You know, today there's a, there's a whole bunch of people that are sitting in church somewhere. And... Uh, the, the people say, say to Jesus, they say, uh, we want to do, do miracles like you. Or we want to be part of the miracles that you're doing. And in John 6, Jesus says, well, then believe in the one that God has sent. Scripture says. All these people, man, we want to be part of what you're doing. Jesus' response, believe in the one that God has sent. God, I want to be part of what you're doing. I want to be part of something bigger. I want to live with significance. I want to have my life matter for your kingdom. When I get to heaven, I want to see people there because I loved them, because I showed them grace, because I offered forgiveness, because I showed the world a countercultural picture that is so beautiful that they couldn't resist it. God, that is what I want my life to be a part of. Then believe in the one that God has sent then believe. Man, you know what? The, the greatest opportunities in your life, 
They will not spell out so clearly that it makes perfect sense. God will give you pieces to a bigger puzzle that when you contribute, you'll see kingdom impact far bigger than yourself. But without belief in the one that God has sent, his name is Jesus, you'll never enter in to a bigger calling or a bigger picture. And as the disciples, the larger crowd, watched Jesus as he went from place to place, as he impacted people's lives, as he said things that challenged their core being, they slowly dwindled to nothing but just these 12. To which Jesus looked at the 12 and he said, are you going to leave me too? Is it too hard? Am I asking too much? Are you too attracted and attached to the things of the world? Are you going to leave? Are you going to leave too? Peter. Where else would we go? <laughs> There's nothing better than partnering with God in his mission. There's nothing better. That's not, not better than money. Money is not better than God's mission. Your comfort, your cozy, it ain't better than God's mission. Your status, it ain't better than God's mission. Fulfillment in life, future purpose, it's in the mission of Christ. It's not just about, yep, there's a God. It's about the contribution. I will join you. Where else would I go? I will join you, but I will put my faith in the one God you have sent. And this morning, I'm going to ask you just to look into 2014 with this phrase. I'm going to believe in the one that God has sent. And I will walk with him into new places to experience new victories, to be part of God-sized opportunities. And watch as God does something new with you and those around you that you couldn't write. It's unexplainable. It's more than you could ever ask or imagine. And it's God-sized. It's God's thing. And he's going to use you. I can't wait to hear your stories.